Good morning and welcome to this edition of The Way with Fanoa. This is an interview um, coming up that I actually had did back in June, um, but uh, I... I had technical difficulties and I could not I could not access the file. I was not able to access the file and then I had to had some technical issues with my computer and I I just I thought I lost this interview. Um I had the opportunity to sit down with Professor Sarah Goldrick Rob. Um uh Dr. Rob does uh Goldrick Rob does um really uh interesting research that I I think many of us do not even consider um when we're talking about higher education, uh, uh, some of her work involves looking at the impact on higher education in terms of dealing with low income and struggling students, you know, economically disadvantaged students um, and not just higher education in terms of free college. She has provided commentary on, you know, the New York and Tennessee um, tuition plans, in addition to other, you know, mechanisms within our system, we actually get into an interesting conversation towards the end about Pell Grant, um, and 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 some of the different mechanisms that are being put in place to either limit or restrict or do away with some of the really needed programs that that college students are relying upon for financial aid purposes. But something that we talk about, which which I recently I have a young a young friend from the movement who's a, who's a college student who you know I you don't know you really don't know because you see these bright young people who are struggling and working and they're grinding you just figure like oh that you know college the college life we eat ramen noodles we joke about that stuff but really it's 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 a real crucial and serious time when we think about housing and food insecurity and how it affects you know those who are who are struggling to make it to get that 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 piece of paper that society tells us is necessary to be able to get ahead in life um you know i i think about my old my own youngest sister uh, uh who struggled um because of issues with her financial aid and with you know other family dynamics um while it is a blessing that she's a, has been able to stay with myself and our other sister at the same time, it's still still been a struggle, but not nearly, you know, not nearly the same as for for other people who do not have the same level of family support. And again, she's lucky to have some older siblings who are able to help out. But if it were, but for us, it would be rather challenging um, from some of the other anecdotal stories and, 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 and things I've read from others and talked to them some younger people I know who are struggling because financial aid only goes but so far. Um, it's, it's hard to, to cover the cost of, you know, market rate rent along with, and especially if you're talking about being in college towns, sometimes they, they the landowners, it's, it's, it's so sky high um, as a, as a young renter and trying to find a job that's couldn't, that's going to pay enough that also is going to allow you to be able to go to class. And one of the things that professor Goldberg Rob and I talk about is also, you know, this this how programs that that do help with economic insecurity and and other issues college students are the last or least considered so whether it's public housing or some type of housing assistance whether it's you know food assistance through food stamps depends upon what the rules are where you live you know who can benefit from food stamps and who cannot but i mean we really we really put poor people kind of against each other in a way and against the means that allegedly are to help them you know rise up everyone acts like you know getting a college education is the end all be all that it's something it is definitely something that is sold to our youth as the ticket out of whatever dire situation they may exist in you know growing up etc 
and yet the tools and mechanisms and resources, you know, we've talked about this. I've talked about this previously when I talked about the Excelsior um, scholarship in New York that, you know, things like that, that are last aid, you know, that means that Pell Grant, that means that everything else that could possibly help cover your, 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 not just your tuition, but your actual cost of attendance, because it's really the cost of attendance, what it costs for you to get that education that is crippling in many instances. If you're going, for most people going to a state school or community college, the tuition itself is only a, a, a fraction, is usually less than half the overall cost of attendance as a whole. Um, it's really that housing, that room and board, those other costs, because you're in class. And if you're a science major or engineering major and you're having labs so I mean sometimes people's schedules it really is it is it really does interfere with the ability to have a job and be able to put in what it takes to study outside of the classroom right and so we do have all these challenges and these are not excuses it's just facts you know thinking about the degree of college students who are virtually homeless um these are these are hidden figures within the system that we do not talk about. So I really appreciate this conversation with her. Um, just want to touch on a few other, you know, updates because we, we were we were talking again. I miss I, I cannot believe I was so devastated because I was so excited to talk to her um, because, you know, this was around the time that the Trump education proposal pros budget budget was dropped. And I was so excited to talk to her and since that time that we talked we've now seen the issue with Betsy DeVos and her education department and the the denial of upward bound funding for several schools on the basis of minor you know errors in the in their applications and yes we should say yes you know okay you shouldn't be making mistakes on applications when you're applying for stuff things happen these are so minute for example with West Virginia State University which is an HBCU in West Virginia in Charleston right outside of Charleston West Virginia um I have several friends who actually graduated from from state and I I personally know people who went through that upper brown program and they're the people are really devastated about this decision and you know you know trying to get some folks on to kind of talk more about the importance not only of upward bound but the importance of these these programs as institutions for high school students, right, to give them something to do. Because again, when we're looking at, you know, those people who really benefit from something like Arbor Brown, and a lot of times we're talking about, you know, kids from marginalized communities, um, who, who, you know, first generation college students who really get something to look forward to mentorship guidance, things that help them get through whatever may be going on, or maybe it supplements what's not happening at, at the high school level. I mean, and, and this, this is not just a, oh, no, is railing against the Republican thing. This is a everybody thinks because we also see now with Rahm Emanuel's plan in Chicago to, um, to mandate that that in order to graduate from high school in addition to all the requirements that students have and the struggle that some students have with actually getting that diploma we all can agree that a high school diploma in in american society today without some type of skills trade experience something is 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 becoming like no like you need so much more i know i've lo- i've looked over the years at at as i as i try to you know look and see like oh maybe i'll try a different field maybe i'll do something different maybe lawyering is not for me i'll you know i'll i'll peruse different jobs that i know friends have had or other people have had just to kind of see what else is out there um and then also as i you know give advice to my younger siblings and other other people other younger people in our lives about where to look for jobs you know I, i'll keep an eye out to see and i've tracked a sp- particular position that 
was with Verizon, for example, right? I haven't done it recently, but but year for years, I would go back and forth and look at the same opening when it would come open because my friends in college, you know, did this job and a couple of them didn't finish school. And at the time, you know, they were able to move up without a college degree because they had experience plus some college, but the job itself only required a high school diploma and like two years customer service experience or something like I'm I'm, I'm paraphrasing like something basically like that. You know, years later I go back and look at it and that then it required an associate's degree, same exact job, job parameters did not change at all, but the requirement changed. Go back and look at it again. Some years later while I'm in law school, the job requires now a college degree job hasn't changed. Nothing has changed about the job, just the requirements. So we see this happening. We see jobs that people once were able to do with a high school diploma, you know, with just having customer service experience or something like that. Now requiring college degrees. We, we see that the bar is being raised and, and, and the outcome, the payout is, is the same or stagnant in many ways. And, and, and you, and, and young people are being told they have to jump through all these hoops just to quote unquote make it. And it's a problem. So we see in Chicago that the implementation is being implemented. And a lot of people are thinking like, oh, well, that's a good thing. You know, they're giving them, they're giving them some goals. The problem is when you're not adequately supporting and funding and engaging and building and nurturing the youth to be able to make these decisions decisions you know we're not taking into account the fact that um even those chicago public school students who are graduate who complete the requirements for graduating from cps are allowed can then get admission to one of the city colleges the city colleges are overburdened they're not able to keep up with the remedial needs of many of the students coming out of cps and and this is not conjecture you can look all there are so many different articles that are on this 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 decision um, from Rahm Emanuel's administration that, that, that talks to this. And apparently this is, guess who's playing? Arnie Duncan, Mr. Mid-South, Mr. I'm the one that kicked off all the school closures and decimation of opportunity for black and brown children all across the, the Chicago area. Um, Chicago, well, South and West sides at least. So it's, 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 there's a, there is a, a real lack of concern from public officials at multiple levels in both parties for what is happening to children in our communities, to our youth, to, to our young adults, to those who are returning to college and trying to make things better um, to, to the, 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 at the lower levels of education as well. And, and I like what, what professor golden Rob had to say about how we have to stop being on defensive always and just defending programs and not really looking at whether or not this is actually what we should be doing, right? Not to say that something like a Pell Grant, for example, isn't a worthy program, but we never really, when we talk about progressives or the left or liberals or whomever, you know, whoever is defending, you know, fighting the good fight, rarely do we stop to think, is this the most optimal way? Is this the best way to achieve this goal that we're saying is valuable and important? And I really think that's a great point. So definitely go check out her work. Um, you know, if you're inclined, go buy her book. Um, but, but, but these are conversations that we really do need to, need to dig deep and have. And I really appreciate the fact that she was just so, she's such a critical thinker on this topic and others. And, um, hopefully she will forgive the delay on my part. Like I, 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 I was really devastated and I thought I lost this conversation. So I'm really excited that I was able to find it. You know, we'll call this the way of Noah archives. Um, Check it out. Let me know what you think. Please like and share if you if you if you appreciate it. And definitely check out, you know, Professor Goldberg Rob's work. She is currently, I think, 
she's currently at Temple. Yes. So really great stuff. I, I, I even I was impressed because I, you know, I, I've, I've read some articles, you know, about her work and stuff. And I've read um, the book and just did not realize the realm of I mean, I follow her on Twitter and stuff. She has really engaging commentary. I just did not realize just how, you know, you know, people when you actually talk to people right like how people appear on paper is one thing when you actually talk to them and you hear their concern and their passion and the fact that this is something that is not like there's a lot of money or it's not like this is well-funded work either this is something that she's really committed to and passionate about and that really spoke to me on a serious level and I have my little college babies that I've adopted and as much as I can I try to you know send a send a little something along the way or my sister and her friends like do something with them like can I buy y'all dinner just 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 little things like that and I know it does not solve the problems but I just at least try to talk to them and let them know that that they're strong and they can make it through and I know I can't save them everyone from everything and I know we all have our own stuff but we do need to find a way to help begin to develop the networks that are necessary to to to, to take care of our own it is challenging whether that means trying to lobby for greater assistance assistance in terms of housing and food security and things of that nature for for college students or if we have a community collective that maybe looks out for some of the some of the students in our area I don't know what what is possible I know we have such a long list of things that we got to work on right but there's more to it than just I think as a movement we need to consider there's more to it to just you know free tuition for all free tuition does not even come I mean that's great you know that's cool but there's a huge cost burden that's left with a lot of students individually because they don't have families behind them that can help or fam- and or for families that are there wanting to help they still have a huge cost burden um and, and higher education more and more is being shoved down our throats as something that's a necessity for survival. And, and we definitely have to do something about it. So take a, take a good listen. Um, and I hope you like this Peace. What are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking some time again to, to talk with me. Um, I know when I initially reached out, I mentioned, um, it was right after the, 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 the Trump, I guess, budget, we call it, um, was, 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 you know, presented and, and there were some various sections regarding education, um, particularly, you know, in terms of, uh, funding for, for college, as well as, um, some of the student loan repayment program assistance that, really sent a chill down. I know my spine in particular, and I just was wondering, you know, considering your work and, and, and everything that you've researched and done, if you know, what thoughts you may have had when you first um, saw some of those reports coming out. Yeah, well, I mean, I can't say that I'm surprised, uh, right. given the talk that we had heard both from the sitting president and from candidates during the election and from you know, their peers in Congress, et cetera. Um, it's pretty clear that there are a lot of folks out there who blame people for their own poverty, um, who blame people for lack of education. And while they purport to value hard work, they actually prioritize, uh, you know, the advantages that one is born with. And so this, this is a so-called budget that strips a lot of support from very hardworking, very deserving folks, um, and will severely limit their uh, opportunities, you know, for higher education. Yeah, I mean, 
absolutely. Just just looking at some of the, the proposed cuts and even um, what has been mentioned as the, the removal of there's a there's a loan for those who aren't familiar. There's a loan forgiveness program for those who work in public interest for 10 years. Um, then you're able to apply to get get your student loan debt burden, the, at least your federal student loans. I'm forgiven. I'm one of those people. Um, and so seeing proposals to, to, to basically not basically to get rid of that program. I mean, for a lot of us who've paid in almost the full 10 years, it's, it's pretty shocking, um, as, as what it costs for us to be able to engage in higher education rises and, and, and just becomes such a huge burden, um, on, on families. Uh, just, just, and like you said, I mean, it's not really, unbelievable considering what we've heard from from your research and from your talks and stuff what what are what are what is the sense of you know the feel or the pulse of uh, in response to what is being proposed well i mean i think first uh, the most immediate concern was that people who were already in that program that you mentioned uh, in public service loan forgiveness would have this taken away from them despite the fact that they were promised it. And um, I think that's uh, a horrendous thing to do. Um, it undermines faith in government. It um, It's actually very cost-ineffective because, you know, you're going to get negative consequences as a result. It's not like the effects would be neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, it does appear from the reports that are out so far that they would not include the current uh, people in the program from those from whom it would be cut. Mm-hmm. In other words, it would be what you'd call grandfathering in the, right. the current folks. Um, okay. I don't think we can trust them, though, to necessarily do that. And so keeping the pressure on to ensure that they don't essentially revoke a promise um, just because you haven't essentially yet received the benefit. And that is how they framed it, that you have not yet received the benefit because nothing has yet been forgiven, right? But as you know, the promise of forgiveness is something that you are indeed counting on and making decisions around. And so the fact that the government actually hasn't spent the money, so to speak, to forgive it yet does not mean that you do not act as a program participant. So hopefully they will not take action against current program participants and if they're going to end the program, end it only for subsequent or future participants. I don't think they should do this, um, but I do want to acknowledge that if the goal of this program is to get more people to go into public service, mm-hmm. we don't have a ton of evidence that it's good at that, okay? Um, so I want to admit that on the evidence side of the house, you know, we can't mm-hmm. say, We know that's working. However, another important goal of the program, in a sense, is to make the lives of people doing public service work easier. And that's important because they don't make a lot of money to begin with. And it's not exactly the most prestigious job. So whether or not you're going to convince more people to go into this pathway, you can still do things for those who do choose it to reward them for having chosen it. And that may be an important outcome that we are not, frankly, assessing an evaluation, but that if they're making evidence-based decisions, they ought to be considering. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really appreciate that you broke it down that way, right? Like, okay, it's not just that, oh my God, Trump is threatening to do something, or even though they're, he's saying today they won't do something, they still could do it, but that, that other layer that you just added on about whether or mm-hmm. not the program that we would be arguing for in any instance, is it actually even doing what we're arguing that we ought to have happening? And and I think that you, when you what you just touched on is that that it does make it easier for those who are already maybe in certain spaces, you know, working whether they're um, in 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 the public sector, uh, working for public government, or working for a nonprofit. It does make it easier for those people, but it's not necessarily you know proven to be the enticement or the inducement to go into those spaces. Um, I know you know just just personally, I know the combination of having you know the 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 new repayment programs that that have been you know, introduce of the past few years combined with the promise of the future forgiveness does, you know, make it a little bit more worthwhile to, to not make as much money as some of my peers from college. But at the same time, I think, I think what you're saying is exactly right about how we really need to look at what actually is the evidence being borne out of, you know, the years of people paying into the system, the years, you know, people use this. And and is it actually affecting college students when they're making decisions? I don't even know that it's actually even explained to students properly when they're starting school and in the whole world just the financial aid what this all looks like on the other side um right and I know that's right. something that and you I, I want to go ahead yeah I want to emphasize well I want to emphasize that I think that while we are resisting these cuts right and these very poor decisions we don't want to be backed into a corner in defending uh the program's that we don't, that we like, but we don't know work. Mm-hmm. Because if mm-hmm. we have very important goals, if we have critical goals, like helping the most vulnerable people obtain a college education, we need those programs to not only exist, but be effective. And there are some programs that the left has historically supported, which are far less effective than we need them to be. Right. So I'll, I'll pick a popular program as an example, right? The federal program. Mm-hmm is the centerpiece of the entire system. It is uh, a sacred cow in many ways, Mm -hmm. right? It is a program that nobody wants to see cut, that everybody likes to believe worked. But let's be honest, even Barack Obama, when he increased the maximum amount of the Pell Grant, still actually offered students less Pell support than they'd had in the past because he wasn't unable to increase it at the same rate the college prices were increasing. So in other words, the the purchasing power, what you the value, if you're thinking of this as a coupon, the value of the coupon declined under Barack Obama, just like it declined under Bill Clinton for the most part, like it declined under Ronald Reagan, like it's going to decline under Trump. What what used to pay for 100% of college now covers about 30%. So while we don't want the program eliminated, we have to admit, this program is not getting it done. Mm-hmm. It is not making college very affordable. It is not helping students the way that they need. And so I think it's incumbent among the progressives, too, to figure out why that program isn't doing what it needs to do and, frankly, what we're going to need to replace it with. But the problem is we're spending so much time right now just trying to protect it. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, we, we definitely need to be able to do a both. We need a both and a por- both and approach. We definitely need to be able to walk and chew bubble gum, like you just said. I mean, exactly. You know, we have these programs, and 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 Pell Grant is a perfect one to start with to 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 to, to illustrate because it is you know students you know if you're trying to get aid and stuff like that or or champions of 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 financial aid for for college students you know people really do gravitate to the Pell Grant um as the centerpiece just like you said and and I think that that point about the purchasing power because that's really what we're looking at here when we're talking about the investment in that is supposed to be our higher education that's supposed to be you know going to college and the money that is given to students grant-based aid need-based aid in that format it does not go nearly as far as it did even 10 years ago. Um, and it's just astounding. I look at my own younger sister who's going to college now and I just look, you know, trying to help her navigate that. And it's just amazing the difference, you know, thankfully we all, we've all gone to public schools, but still that doesn't even seem for some families to really make a difference when it comes to, can Mm -hmm. I pay this difference? Um, it's, it's a lot of money versus a lot more money that families aren't able or students who don't have families to support them aren't able to cover. Um, and, yeah. and even with the even with federal based loan aid, with you, if you're an undergraduate student, you know, depend an undergraduate dependent student, it, it's just not going as far. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and we've, we have seen some interesting, you know, programs proposed um, recently, uh, Tennessee with making um, tuition uh, free for what adult students at community colleges and the program that was, uh, the, what is it, the Excelsior program in, in the state of New York to help alleviate some of the tuition burden on families. But there's still the overall cost issue associated um, that I don't know that people are really getting at. But you definitely have seemed to really dig into um, some of the challenges that students have beyond just affording the tuition aspect of attending college um, in terms of looking at mm-hmm. some of the issues challenging low-income students. What, what have you found though, through, through some of your research or some of the more um, common challenges that students are facing in addition to trying to actually just pay for tuition and books? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's really missing for a lot of people, this, this idea that there's more than tuition. Um, and it's incredible because frankly, uh, tuition is less than half of the total cost of attending college these days. Mm. So the real deal that students are encountering is the price of food and housing. And also things like health care and transportation costs. You know, even if you have health insurance, you still have medical costs from time to time. And these things can add up. Uh, I think that these areas get less attention, partly because there are those who wrongly believe that you face the same prices for food and housing, whether or not you're in college. Mm -hmm. So they basically say, well, you'd have to live anyway. So what can I tell you in terms of, you know, we don't need to really help you, essentially. Um, I don't think that's right. I think it's wrong for um, many, many reasons. You know, one reason is anybody who's lived in a community near a college knows that rent and food cost more. Yeah. Uh, nearer to the college because the market is more limited and because there are developers and such who are taking advantage of that. Um, it is also the case that a lot of people don't really think about them as vulnerable people. So the lowest income folks in this country do often still receive some form of social or public benefit. And a lot of those programs 
that may support their food or housing costs are harder to get if a student is in college. Mm, So I'll pick an example. Um, There is a shortage, as we all know, of subsidized housing in the country. So if you need help paying for uh, rent, um, it is the case that you know, even though you may qualify for support, you probably won't get it because there's a shortage of housing. This is especially true in the major cities. Mm-hmm. Now, um, that means that housing authorities have to prioritize. And as we know, there are many different groups of people who might need housing. So one group of people are the elderly. Another group of people are the disabled. Right? Another group of people are children. Right. Another group of people are students. Students are what we call deprioritized, which means that they tend to be placed lowest on the list. And full-time students are considered a lower priority often than even part-time students. So what can happen is that, for example, a young woman that my team met once was living in Milwaukee in subsidized housing with her mom before she went to college. Mm -hmm. She enrolled in college full-time and didn't think she'd done anything wrong. One day she got a knock on the door and she's been alerted by the housing authority that she will no longer be able to live in that housing and nor can her mother live there if she remains in college full time because full-time college students do not count for the housing and therefore her mother would only have one person living in the unit. So she can't live in a two-person unit as one person. Her only choice was to switch to part-time enrollment or leave the housing. So... Obviously, she didn't want to put her mother at risk. She switched to part-time enrollment. After being enrolled in college for a total of 11 semesters, mostly as a part-time student, this young woman dropped out. Now, it happens all the time to part-time students. They lose momentum. They frankly say enough is enough, and they're gone. So incentivizing students to not be in college or even go part-time is part and parcel of our program for housing. So that should help explain why we have to pay attention to housing costs and that we cannot assume that being in college is the same as not being in college when it comes to housing. Wow. Wow. Like Mm -hmm. I knew programs had requirements in terms of, you know, being able to work a certain amount of hours or things like that unless you had small children. But I did not realize that if you had a child, you know, over 18 or whatever, that being in school would 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 make you unqualified if you didn't have enough other family members, I guess. That is that is that is a travesty. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there are a lot like this. I'm sorry that my dog is barking. No, 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 you're fine. That's life. (laughs) There are a lot of things like this. And the way I think about this is this is what I would call a misalignment Mm -hmm. between a program or policy and higher education, right? They didn't create those rules to be mean to college students. Right. Okay. They created those rules because they have to pick and choose among lots of people who need help because we've underfunded housing in this country. So they're not trying to do something wrong. On the other hand, they're doing something unintended, right? And they are doing harm, working against the college completion dreams of people who've grown up in housing. This doesn't happen everywhere, but this is why the research is so important, to unpack where it's happening, why it's happening in that way, and to go and try to do something about it. The problem is this is very time-consuming. Um, kind of work, right? It requires essentially detective work in Mm -hmm. a sense. And yet, very few funders 
who support higher education research, uh, frankly, have expressed any interest in this sort of thing. And that is really too bad because these issues are undermining college students' success the same way that other more traditional issues like college remediation are. Right. Right. Wow. Wow. What are, like, so from, and just... You and I, I think I think what you just hit on is really important. Being able to fund the work, right? Because we can't expect you know yourself, your team, and other folks just to, I mean, just throw it all through the, to the wind and just do it. I guess on air, but at the same time, you know, it's 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 awesome that you and other and and, and folks you've worked with have been able to at least be able to bring these stories um, to the forefront. But how can we start advocating better? Because something you touched on earlier was that will we have a tendency because we're always in defense mode, it seems like, particularly when, um, when Republicans are in charge and they're trying to just slash everything. We're in defense mode of just trying to save stuff instead of really taking the time to look at, OK, this is this is something that we value. How do we make it more effective? How do we improve it and make it better and actually do what what it should be doing for people? What are some things that we can start yeah. doing, you know, as as activists, as advocates to support, mm-hmm. um, to help get better work done and to, or, or to show that there is a real interest and need for for more research, for, for funding more research? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first thing is that we've got to all be part of changing this conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, a lot of the conversation in higher ed is about things other than money. We do not pay enough attention to how very serious. So one is just when you're in a conversation with anybody about college, first of all, make it clear this isn't about colleges and universities spending money badly because that's not actually, there's not a lot of evidence of that. I mean, if it were the, were the case, Heck, I mean, I'd be attacking that, right? We'd go after right. it. But the biggest issue, the biggest issue is that we've underfunded the programs that make college affordable. And that includes underfunding the colleges and universities. You know, states have pulled back on their uh, funding for institutions, but also underfunding these housing and food programs. So we have to talk about it um, in a way that reflects reality. Right. And that's the first part, because Mm -hmm. awareness is just such a big barrier right now. There are so many people out there who don't even seem to know that there are hungry and homeless college students. So anytime you hear somebody talking about Harvard or acting like all college students are privileged, you've got to push back and put some reality into that discussion. I think the second thing is that there's a lot of rallying cries for no more debt or low tuition. That's not actually going to get it done. Those are not actually the solutions. My kids can have debt. It's mm-hmm. fine. They can have some of a modest level, right? Yeah. It's other people's kids who really can't afford to have debt. So the way to drive down debt is to eliminate the need for the debt. Right. So if you provide reasonable food and housing costs and during college, students won't need to take on loans in the first place. It's the best way to eliminate them. So we need to advocate for things like better access to food stamps for college students, for pantries, food pantries on college campuses, for affordable meal plans. Mm -hmm. When you visit a college campus and you see that they're selling sushi in the cafeteria, you've got to ask yourself, how much are students paying for this stuff? Right. Right. So So as people who are on or around campuses, we need to start to ask those questions. If 
for parents or siblings of people going to college, we have to ask those questions. We also have to ask these questions as voters. And I think this is a very big deal. Okay. You know, we all have so many priorities when we go to that voting booth. We have so many things we're thinking about. And these are important things, like where is this person on criminal justice issues, right? Where is this person on same-sex marriage? You know, where is this person on, you know, pick your favorite topic. Higher education prices are very rarely people's favorite topics, and it shows. It shows because we hardly talk about this during the debate, right? Even during the last election, while we paid some attention to higher ed, we paid very little, frankly, right. relative to the magnitude of this issue. Right. So we have to tell our elected officials this matters to us, and we want to see them acting on it. And the way you do that is to vote. So those are those are the steps that I would say any sort of ordinary, regular American could take as a starting place. Absolutely. And I think you touched on something that was really good, too, about in terms of the relative importance this is that we keep saying that college education is to people's lives and then how it played out, how it's actually played out in our national politics as of late. But also when you said that we need to do more than just shout out, yay, free tuition or no debt, I absolutely agree because as we just discussed, you know, get rid of tuition, that's great. But tuition in some instances, like you said, is less than half of what the actual cost burden is. And if you have programs that are only addressing tuition, but not anything else assistance wise, that's helping to address, you know, like you said, being able to exist, being able to live and thrive while attending class. I mean, when, what are we really offering and providing to, to a, a large, you know, segment of students that, that really need the help. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that is so important. I just, again, just reflected on my own experience when I, I had my, um, my daughter, when I was in college, when I was a sophomore in college or junior between my sophomore and junior year. So I was able to access certain things because I had a child, but I, but I was able to see how I had friends who were just, you know, they didn't have kids or anything, so they, they would not benefit from access to food stamps in the same way as I did because they didn't have a small. Mm-hmm. So the, having a child in the home made a world of difference for me, and it did make it easier to be able to, you know, eat and things like that. But I do know, I do remember other folks who, who struggled a lot and they couldn't get any assistance and they worked and they tried their best to make it through, whether they were in engineering or whatever their majors were. And, it, and it's hard. It's really hard, particularly if you're first generation, particularly if you come from a, a, a low income you know, family and your family can't really afford to help send you extra money. Um, yeah, there's a, yep. there's a lot. And, there, and it's a larger segment of students than people realize. Um, I was talking with my godmother this morning. She's a law professor and she was saying they did a sur- an informal survey at their law school just just to kind of see. And they were shocked to, to see that that food access was the number one challenge that students were facing. This is a private law school. And there's an assumption because the most vocal students are the ones who are, you know, they're they're They are multiple generations of lawyers and their families and stuff. But they forget that they do have this other segment at their school. And she was like, that was just a real eye-opening experience for our whole faculty. And they started a food pantry on their campus, on their, on their, yeah, on their law school campus. But we were just talking about it this morning. Um, and and it, it, it is shocking because people don't think about it. Like you said, people think about college students as being privileged. Um, yes, they do. They do. And they, and they don't understand a lot of what you just described. I mean, you know, frankly, I would never want to paint the student parent as having advantage because, we all know how Absolutely. enormously difficult it is, um, but it is important, like you said, to note that 
you know, it is the case it's easier to get on food stamps if you have kids than if you don't. And if you don't, um, your chances of being able to secure it can be very low. And it's very confusing to people about why that is. Um, you know, I think, again, that, like, education here is key. I mean, we just, we don't even have, I was thinking about this the other day, we don't even have, like, a good TV show mm-hmm. <laughs> for people to watch that they can learn about what college really looks like. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, the last thing I can think about is, you know, felicity. For sake. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I mean, the students at NYU, right? And they are just not typical, even though I do want to know that these issues are happening at NYU. So right. it's not like I'm only talking about what's up at community colleges right. or what's up at public universities. This stuff is happening in places you wouldn't expect it. Um but but in terms of helping people who aren't as connected to today's colleges and today's students figure it out, we may very well need uh, some better, you know, forms of education that reach them, you know, whether it's a, a new series or whether it's a movie or what it is. And I'm working on all of that, but it's, it's an uphill battle. Um, you know, most people just say, what, are you kidding me that students could be going through these challenges? Mhm mhm mhm. I mean, well we have families and kids who go through these challenges, so those who are able to grow up and go off to college do not suddenly become um immune to those issues as well. So so no, I think those are all really great points and I would love to see what you're able to come up with. Um <laughs> I think a college show that actually really depicted college life. I know my kids watch Blackish and and with the oldest daughter in Blackish she's going to college and I'm just sitting there just amazed with the four kids and how the parents were talking about paying for all of them to go to school and some of her schools include NYU private schools um public schools but still I'm just thinking about the tuition. And I'm like, "Wow, they're planning on paying for college for four kids out of pocket." Yep. So that is amazing. Yep. I said, most people can't even pay for college for one kid. They're struggling to do that. I, know. I, said, this, I said, this is a fascinating concept and it's so not real life <laughs> for for a lot of it us. Isn't. I was just like, wow, this is, this is. So I think because TV is actually how we get informed about quite a few uh, uh, things that are happening. So I think that's a good point too about we don't really, yeah, besides Felicity, you know, I agree with that. I was like, I can't really think of a college show that really showed college life, like struggles and all. That's right. Um, yep. and, and how like diverse it is. 20 years ago. So many different kinds of students, yeah. right? So many different kinds of students, so many different kinds of colleges, so many different kinds of experiences. Um, you know, people are kind of understandably behind on what this is. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me again this morning. Um, I really appreciate it. This was of good. Of course. Of no. course. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you and your listeners. <laughs> awesome. No, you do. You do. I just have to say it again. You do excellent work. And, and we definitely need to have more attention on this stuff. So thank you again. I appreciate it. No problem. Have a good one. You too. Thanks.